Don't burn out trying to do all these things simply because Bob from Section 2 is doing 25 organizations. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Legally Couture. There is no Megan today. It is just me, Erin, and that is because I have a guest on with me today who I will introduce shortly, Um, and we were recording during the day while Megan is at work. So it is just me and the guest today, and our topic is the legal industry and mental health. So I thought she would be a great addition to this episode. But just a quick life update like we always give. Um, We went out just on Friday this week. We went out with Grace. So that's our roommate, if you don't know. Um, Grace and her boyfriend and his friends. That was a lot of fun. We went to a couple different places over in West Village. Um, And then this week, I have a paper I'm working on. I had thought it was due on Tuesday, but it turned out it was due on Monday. My professor had written that it was due Tuesday, October 25th on the syllabus. So then when we got the assignment sheet and it still said October 25th, I trusted that that was a Tuesday and didn't think to check a calendar. So that is apparently due um, Monday. But I emailed with my professor and he gave me an extension until until Tuesday um, since I was a bit confused because of the way he worded it. So um, by the time you hear this, I will have already turned that in, but that was our fun little debacle of the week. Me not thinking to look at a calendar to double check a date. But yeah, so I'll get right into it and introduce you to our guest now. Okay, hi everybody. So we are with a guest today. It is Avery Bishop. Just a little bit about her. She is a law student. She's actually graduating soon in the next couple months. Um, She also does beauty pageants. She does some modeling and such on the side. Big TikTok law school star. (laughs) Yeah, so this is Avery. If you want to give a little elevator pitch about yourself of what you think is important for people to know for the topic. Go for it. (laughs) It's nice to meet you all. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Avery. I'm a 3L graduating in December. More importantly, I'm a first-generation law student. So I was running around with my head cut off when I was applying for law school (laughs) with no one to guide me. And I downloaded TikTok during the peak of the pandemic because I felt alone and isolated. I also wanted some sort of creative space uh, that was independent of law school. And ever since then, I have essentially skyrocketed into a weird influencer status across <laughs> many social media platforms. So I'm excited to be here today and talk about the really important intersection of the legal industry and mental health. Yes, yeah, and thank you so much for coming. I was also a first-generation law student, so I had no idea what I was doing applying oh. either. <laughs> I actually used some of your TikTok tips for help oh. when I was doing applications last year, yeah. so it was very helpful. So we're thankful for you. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's all about making the industry more accessible. Yes, absolutely. Especially because for like first generation law students or even like first generation college students, you Mm -hmm. really have no idea what you're getting into in applications. So everything helps. (laughs) Absolutely agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like Avery said, our topic today is the legal field and law school and mental health. 
So we're going to talk a bit about why that's important, um, how it should be talked about more than it is, um, kind of how this affects people in law school, and then how it will affect you continuing after law school once you enter your career. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the layout for the episode today, everybody. Yeah, so, yeah let's do it. So we're going to jump right into it. So um, I just want to start out by talking about like why it's an important thing to discuss. Sure. So like, oh yeah, no, go ahead. You can start oh. out. <laughs> oh, we can like fight. We'll fight for the first word. Um, <laughs> health specifically in the legal industry has only recently been talked about, right? It is a recent phenomenon that many older generations have realized, oh, this is impacting not only partners and law firms, but it also impacts law students. And so a lot of the conversation right now is very fresh. It's very new. So many law schools are not very well equipped to talk about it or to create accessible resources for law students who are dealing with mental health issues. And, you know, in a larger picture, it's not just about the legal industry, right? Many of these mental health issues begin at home, especially if we, we just talked about how we were both first-generation law students. I am also from an Asian American community, so my mom doesn't even think mental health exists. Um, And so having these conversations to begin with is the first step in making sure that we address a lot of those mental health issues within um, the educational systems. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I was actually thankful that my law school during orientation week, they actually did do a mental health panel one day, which I thought was amazing. It's not something I would have necessarily expected from my school, but they kind of let us know um, about resources that our school specifically had and mm-hmm. then resources that are accessible for attorneys as well and law students. Yeah. There's one called the New York something, I cannot remember the name of right now, but um, it's like a hotline that lawyers and law students and judges can all call if they're like struggling with their mental health and they have like crisis counselors on the line specifically mm-hmm. to help people in the legal field. Um, and then my school also has like a counseling center But outside of that, I know not all schools have those things. So it's not always accessible for everyone to find what they need. So it's important to start the conversation to be like, oh, like this is something we should talk about. It's not bad to struggle with mental health. It's like a known thing in the industry. So um, I'm just happy that it's coming more to light now so that less people will struggle. Because some of the statistics that I saw that they showed like at our presentation were pretty concerning. They're shocking. Mm -hmm. I wrote a couple of them down, like to mention here. And for law students, 25% of law students are at risk for alcoholism. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah, that was a big one. And then 17% of law students um, suffer from depression. 37% suffer from anxiety, somewhere from mild to severe. And then 6% of law students report having suicidal thoughts in the past year. So it's a lot of like top statistics that um, get even worse once you're in the practicing legal field. It's 25% then are at risk. I'm sorry, 28% suffer from depression, 19% have severe anxiety, and 11.4% had suicidal thoughts in the past year. So it's definitely a big issue. And like the more it's talked about, the more we can address it and help people to not be like struggling with these things on their own. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yes. That's like why it's important. And then um, I would also just mention that there's like some stigmas surrounding mental health in general and even more so in the legal field. Yeah. I feel that it's so competitive to have this specific facade of always having your yourself together, always being on top of your homework and your assignments. Mm -hmm. And that creates a really toxic culture in law school specifically, not, um, this is independent of the legal industry because I've obviously neither of us have worked in it just yet. (laughs) Um, but in law school, there is such a competition to get the best grades, to speak up in class and to do well, um, when in reality, many of us are scared and experiencing um, aspects of imposter syndrome, anxiety, uh, helplessness, and it just lends itself to a more competitive aspect of the, of the law school system. And the unfortunate reality is that uh, there's not many avenues you can take to avoid it, right? It's just going to exist. And you have to acknowledge that it exists, right? Imposter syndrome, competition aspects, having to get really good grades and comparing yourself to others, acknowledge it. And then just let it exist and brush off your shoulders. Um, At least that's what I do. I had my first year of law school. Um, I experienced my first week of law school walking in and thinking that I was the most dumb and illiterate person on the face of the planet. Everyone in my first year contracts class all talked as if they were trying to one-up each other with their resumes and their achievements. A lot of students would try to slip in like, oh, I interned on the Hill with the president this past summer. And I was like, I didn't ask you. LOL. Um, But that's the kind of culture that law school is. And hopefully we are changing it for the better where we're not constantly competing with one another. Yeah, no, I hope so. At my school specifically, I've actually found it to be less competitive than I would have expected it to be. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because my school really works on um, encouraging us not to compete as much and help each other more. They did like lots of talks on it during orientation. So they're trying to like kind of get rid of that issue. It's always going to be a bit competitive because we are competing for the same jobs and internships, which do have a lot to do with where you rank in your class. But Mm -hmm. my school is at least trying to get rid of um, like the outward presentation of the competitiveness. I feel like, um, you know, the saying where they say like, look left, look to right, one of you will be gone by the third year, like one of you won't graduate. Mm -hmm. My school like told us that saying during orientation and then said, that's not true here. Like, don't worry about it. So I feel like they're doing their best to like create this sense of community where we're all there to like encourage each other to do better. And um, they're always like, everybody's going to get a job. You don't have to worry so much about not ever getting a job. Like it's going to work out. So just help each other. You're going to be each other's peers. So you don't want to create enemies. <laughs> You're going to help each other in the long run. So I appreciated that about my school. But definitely, like, no matter what, there is going to be that issue of competitiveness. Um, and then also the facade of, like, oh, I have to be perfect. I have it all together. Mm. I feel like especially in, like, the law, in law school, because you're going into the legal field, it's because your job is to, like, help other people. So you feel like you have to be put together in order for other people to almost trust that you can help them. Because Mm -hmm. if you admit that like you're struggling, why would they think that you can help them? But that's just not actually the case. 
Mm-mm. No, yeah. it's better, and at least from prior experience, mm-hmm. if you are experiencing some sort of mental health issue or anxiety or imposter syndrome, just to you know speak it into existence and let people know, mm-hmm. there's really no problem in um, telling people what you are going through because then they'll respect you for your honesty and trustworthiness. Mm-hmm. And that's when you bring in more clients as an attorney. That's mm-hmm. how you build relationships with future partners. It's trustworthiness and honesty. And when you are experiencing those things, the first thing you should do is I know it's really difficult is to find the courage to speak up and say, Hey, I'm taking an ex- like a, a mental health day. I'm experiencing some, mm-hmm. some anxiety. Uh, can you email me tomorrow? Those kinds of things are, Um, At least in my experience, again, uh, many law firms are open to acknowledging and accepting those types of uh, days. Yeah, and I love that. I feel like that's a really big like generational shift with more younger attorneys and such. And then like us coming out of law school, you very soon and me in a few years that Mm -hmm. there's been like a big generational shift in general about the way we view mental health which is great for everybody. It's no longer as stigmatized as it used to be. And hopefully will at some point not be stigmatized at all. But yeah, so I think it's great that more companies are open to that Mm -hmm. because it just helps everybody to have like a more fulfilling career and life to help with the balance of everything. Right. That's amazing. (laughs) We don't have time to uh, play around with hiding all these mental health issues anymore. There's no point in playing that game. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's no point to it because if you admit it, you can address it, you can get better, and then you're able to like perform better at work, you're able to be happier at home, and then everything overall is just better. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so the next thing we're going to go into is like specifically how mental health is affected by law school. So like Avery mentioned the competitiveness and um like an imposter syndrome oh imposter syndrome yes yeah so I feel like those are the two biggest pieces that affect people in law school and like specifically I will touch back on the imposter syndrome I definitely still experience imposter syndrome sometimes and I feel like that can also be because there are certain people in classes that like to talk all the time they're always the ones volunteering (laughs) And um, so you'll think that everybody in the class is smarter than you sometimes because those few people are always answering. So they seem like they know everything. But honestly, when it comes down to it, they might just be more outgoing where they're just more willing to volunteer to answer things. And they are not necessarily smarter than you. You're kind of all on the same playing field, especially coming into your first year. None of you know anything. And that's like a good thing to remind yourself of going through law school, especially that first year. You're all figuring it out together. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And the really cool thing when I had started out in law school is that those few weeks were difficult having to acknowledge that I will most certainly never be the most intelligent person or the most Mm -hmm. beautiful person or the tallest person, right? (laughs) And it's very similar to competing in sports and pageants, right? Mm -hmm. There's always going to be a better team. There's always going to be a more skilled uh, speaker or something. And you really have to, or at least I had to come to terms with this idea that I'm just trying to be the best version of myself. Like I could care less what anyone else is doing. I could care less if someone someone is more tall or more pretty or more intelligent or more well-spoken. So long as I'm striving to be the best version of who I am and who I'm meant to be, that's all that matters. And imposter syndrome will never go away. 
like Aaron, Aaron said, she experiences it still. And I do mm-hmm. too, as a 3L, three years later after starting law school. And that's okay because everyone else is experiencing it, even though people might not be upfront about it. Um, the most intelligent person in my school who will graduate valedictorian, I know for a fact, sees a therapist and is very open about his uh, mental health. And so I think he's leading by example that we should all have open conversations and that accept the fact that imposter syndrome will always be something that is in the backseat of our car while we're on a road trip, but they don't necessarily have to be the driver of the car. Yeah. I love that metaphor. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And like, imposter syndrome will be back there and sometimes we'll forget they're there. We're jamming out to music on the radio. Mm -hmm. We're going to a fantastic vacation, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're on the trip together, but Mm -hmm. most of the time they'll be in the backseat and we just have to manage it. Yeah, no, that's so true because it will come and go. Like sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally killing it. And then I look around and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm the dumbest person in this class. Mm. Like even so, I had a take home midterm this morning. Um, So yeah, ungraded though. So I was like- Okay, not too bad. Not too bad. It was ungraded, but we're not even getting feedback on it. So at that point- Why even do it? (laughs) exactly why even do it but I still like put in the effort to do my best on it when it came to it but um like prior to it I was like I don't know what's going on in in this class I'm totally gonna get every question wrong on this midterm and then I like opened it and started to do it and I was like wait I actually know what's going on Mm -hmm. so it was like the imposter syndrome beforehand telling me like you're the one in the class that doesn't know what's happening but um then it turned out okay so you'll get like those peaks of, oh no, I'm doing really well. And then those lows of I'm the dumbest person in the class, but you're probably not the dumbest person in the class. And it's okay if you're not the smartest. Yeah, exactly. It's not easy to be the smartest person. Like Avery said, there's basically always someone smarter than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. And there's there's many ways that you can avoid or delay those waves of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and mental health issues. For example, one way that I and my law school encourages us to take breaks is to go outside and walk Mm -hmm. uh, and not to do like excruciating exercising. And while that's nice, right? Working out, having a workout Mm -hmm. schedule, sometimes just going out and walking for 20 minutes in between classes, walking with your professor during an office meeting, Walking with your study group and speaking out maybe note cards for a class uh, is a great way to get a, a breath of fresh air to move your body and to uh, set your mindset correctly for when you are doing very stressful homework assignments and trying to stay on top of readings. That's one way to avoid those waves of anxiety imposter syndrome or whatnot. Another way is to say no to more things, you know, not Mm -hmm. to take on as many things on your plate as possible. This goes back to what we first talked about, about competition. Uh, It also really felt when I started law school that we were all trying to do as much as possible. Like we wanted to do everything that anybody asked us to do, all the organizations, all the representation positions, all of the after-school events and networking opportunities. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do every single one of them. Okay. Be strategic in what you choose to do, what you're, what you choose to be involved in, choose things that fulfill you, that you're excited about, that you're passionate about, and don't burn out trying to do all of these things simply because Bob 
from section two <laughs> is doing 25 organizations. Uh, what you're doing is more than enough. Take breaks and say no often. Yeah, no, I love that. One of my friends in law school actually said that um, a 2L or a 3L told her that for your first year, you should get involved in not all of the clubs and organizations. They said, get involved in four things, but two of them just be like general members in the club and then try to actually get involved in two that you care about, like whether it's um, helping organize the event or a panel. Um, But so I thought that rule that her... um, older friend gave her of just like four organizations was a good rule of thumb to go by as to not overwhelm yourself thinking you have to be involved in everything. Yeah. So, I like yeah. that too. And our law school specifically, I don't know about yours, yeah. but they don't let one else do any organizations, any events or competitions our first semester, because they know that we all, in addition to trying to compete for grades, mm-hmm would also compete for organizations and leadership positions. So I was, we were not allowed to be a part of any events, Mm -hmm. panels, festivals, um, organizations until our second semester of our first year of law school. And I appreciated that actually, because during our first semester, we just attended general meetings, like you said, to Mm -hmm learn and to feel which organizations worked best for us so that when the time came around in spring, we weren't all trying to be a part of 10 to 12 different Mm -hmm. competitions, organizations, and teams. Yeah, no, I love that. My school does not have that rule, but I feel like they should because I think there is this feeling of needing to be like a part of things more than just being in the general body of feeling like you need to like volunteer to help plan something or volunteer as a representative for the club. So I almost wish my school had that. Mm, yeah, I really appreciate it. Looking back now, I think that was the right decision, but during yeah. our first semester I had such a competitive edge. I was like, when do I get to compete for mock trial? Like, when do I get to audition and try out for the teams? And fortunately, I couldn't do that until the second semester. All I got to do my fall semester was focus on grades and networking and becoming friends with people in my class. Yeah. And that was the best decision for me, especially because of my personality. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Absolutely. I totally feel that. I'm definitely a competitive person too. I feel like I always want to be like doing at least as much as everybody else, if not more, especially being in law school with like the competitive feeling of like, oh, I need to have the most things on my resume so that I have the best resume when it comes to internships and jobs. But that's not always the case. Quality over um, quantity can be much better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. And then, um, oh, when you mentioned the walk thing, it made me think of my dog. So I got a dog prior to law school. That way I would be forced into like having breaks to take her for walks when I'm studying. And it's worked out amazingly. It like makes me take a break in the middle of the day, like take her for her little afternoon walk and feed her an Aussie doodle. And um, the pro tip is not to get a puppy during law school, apparently. Yeah, I know. I did anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and it was, I got him in the summer though, which was okay. nice because I, while I was working and interning, I still wasn't over swamped with homework and stuff because mm-hmm. it was work from home. So I got oh, to yeah. be around him most of the time, but I agree having Winston, my Aussie doodle uh, mm-hmm. as an excuse 
to give him like three 20 minute walks every day. Yeah. Uh, I'm like closing my rings on my watch all the time um, without having to like sprint or do any crazy cardio. Uh, yeah. So I highly recommend getting into walking. I know it sounds lame yes. and like for old people, but <laughs> it is so good for you yes. because it gets, it gives your brain like a break from whatever you're doing. And if you're walking outside, you get like the fresh air in your face and it just kind of resets you to be able to then go back in and like be able to work um, more, I don't know, just more aligned with your, I don't know. Chakras aligned. Your chakras, thank you. (laughs) You back in line with everything. Yeah, I mean, what else do you do? What are other ways that you like to try to delay and avoid any sort of anxiety or mental health issues? What are things Yeah, so um, I am in therapy and that is probably best decision ever because then when I know I have something coming up that's going to be stressful I can like talk with my therapist the week before and we can kind of talk through why it's not as stressful as it used to be or sorry as I thought it would be um so definitely talking it through whether it's like with a therapist or with a friend um I often like talk through things at school with like my friends also in law school like if we have an exam coming up and we're stressed about it and we're like, oh, we're going to do terrible. If we kind of talk through where we're all at and we've realized that we're all kind of on the same page, that helps us not to feel that imposter syndrome and to also not be as stressed as um, the exam or the paper coming up. And mm-hmm. then also journaling can help sometimes. I have a cute little journal that um, has like you set your morning intentions for the day. And it also has you put like down what you're grateful for and then how you're going to accomplish your intention for the day. And then at the end of the day, you get to reflect on um, something you learned that day, good things that happened that day. And then like it says happy thoughts for the end of the night and um, also nighttime doodles. So I'll draw like a little picture of my dog. Not that I'm an artist. They look terrible. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I feel like journaling therapy or talking it through with a friend or just like taking a break. Um, if it's at night and you're like, Oh, it's too late. I don't want to go for a walk because you might live in a sketchy area. Mm-hmm. You could take a break and watch like a 20 minute TV show. Be like, yeah. I'm going to watch this one episode and then we'll get back into the grind. Well, I don't know about that. I would, if I started an episode on Netflix, I would binge it through the whole night. I'm yeah. really sad about that. So I would have to be strategic if I yeah. removed myself with 20 minutes uh, episodes of TV shows. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, some people can't control it. It depends on the day. If I know I have to do something, yeah, I can turn it back off after. If I'm like, I'm just watching this one episode while I eat dinner and then really going back to it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so I feel that. <laughs> okay, so now how about some? Is advice for like pre-law or pre-professional grad school students of what they can kind of do now to help with their mental health later. So say they're starting law school next year. What are like healthy practices they could get into now that would assist them when mm. they actually start? Some healthy practices that pre-law students can get into or pre-law graduate students. Mm-hmm. I would say getting into a routine. It can be the most simple routine. It doesn't have to be wake up at 5 a.m., get in a two-hour workout session, grind, 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 and then eat oatmeal for breakfast. Um, The routine can literally be your skincare routine in the morning. Something therapeutic, something Mm -hmm. self-care that you do every day that is non-negotiable. Mine is Mm -hmm. sleep. I do not 
ever sacrifice sleep for anything. If I know I have a deadline on Thursday and I have to turn it in, I get it done because I know that I want to get in my bed by 10 o'clock. No if, ands, or buts. My sleep is what I prioritize. And before you go to law school, before you go to graduate school, set those priorities, your non-negotiables. Is that time with your significant other? Is it time with your grandparents? Is it time to work out if you're a really big workout person? Or is it sleep like me? And from there, you can create your routine. And again, it doesn't have to be the most magnificent, magnificent routine, but it can be something along the lines of every Sunday, I do my house chores Mm -hmm. or every morning I do my skincare routine, simple things like that, that you become adjusted to before you enter the law school space will save you a lot of time and a lot of stress. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what I did prior to starting law school is that, um, well, I was living in the suburbs with my parents, so I did not have to actually, the burbs, the burbs. So I did not actually have to take my dog out for like walks in the morning to take her out to the bathroom. I could just like let her out into the yard. So what I did like a month before starting school is that I started taking her for a walk every morning. So that became like my morning routine. We would get up. We would go for a walk. We'd come back. I'd feed her breakfast. I'd feed me breakfast. And then we could like start our day with whatever we had going on that day. And I think doing that prior to starting helped me like have that already set in stone. I was like, this is what we do in the morning. So I have to get up and do it. And it's walking again. So it starts you with a good mindset. You get the fresh air and everything. But yeah, so I do that. And then um, every Sunday I've started now, I wash my sheets every Sunday Oh, oh, you're yeah. one of those people. I've always yes. wondered like how yeah. often you're supposed to wash sheets. I do it at yeah. least like two to three times a month. How do you do oh, it? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. Do you run yeah. out of detergent? Like how much detergent yeah. do you use? <laughs> I, so I use Tide Pods. So I'll like do my sheets and then toss in like other laundry with it, like towels, socks and stuff. When you say and sheets, are you talking like duvet covers as no, well? No, and you're just, covered? okay. No. Okay. Then we do the same thing then. Okay. Yeah. Meant everything. Oh my God. No, no, no. I do sheets and pillowcases. I'm actually allergic to dust. So my allergist recommended okay. that I wash them that often, but I didn't used to be good at keeping up with it. Mm. But every week now I take my sheets and um, unfortunately, because I am in a New York City apartment, (laughs) I do not have a washer and dryer in my apartment. So I have to walk to the laundromat. So it's like, it's really a process, but I've gotten myself in the routine of it now. Every Sunday I take apart my bed. I grab the sheets. I grab the pillowcases. I grab whatever other laundry I might have. I go to the laundromat. I pop it in. I come back. Dang, girl, I'm coming. Yeah. I'm actually going to be in New York in December. Oh, so really? Together. If you're there, it, you might be gone for yeah. winter break or something. But yeah, for some reason, I, I that, this will be my fourth time in the city this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw you went, a, I think you went like a couple months ago. I think I saw you post about yeah. it. I went back in December too, but we should definitely meet up and you can, yeah. uh, you can show me the laundromat routine. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I'll show you the laundromat routine. <laughs> No, it is so funny. I absolutely hate having to walk to the laundromat, but it's fine. I take my dog with me sometimes. So she gets like a little extra walk in a good break. And you can bring like a book or something study or work on some homework. Yeah, absolutely. And also I just feel like I sleep better in clean sheets. So 
I get like my best night sleep the night um, that I wash my sheets. I get into bed and I knock out so hard. So it helps with my sleep too, because I'm terrible with going to bed on time. No. Yeah. Sleep is so important. And that just goes back to our, our point of, you know, what are ways pre-law students and graduate students can uh, help their mental health later. And that I, I'm such a research junkie that I have read so much on sleep. And I don't think anyone understands that in the future, 50 to a hundred years now, we're going to look back at sleep deprivation. Like we do at cigarettes. Like that's, how negatively impacted our bodies and our energy and everything is when we don't get like at least six hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, But I understand that people have crazy schedules and sometimes it just doesn't work out, but Mm -hmm. again, find your priorities, write them down and create a routine that works best for you. Yeah, no. And lack of sleep like negatively affects your mental health in so many ways. Like so many mental illnesses are made worse by not sleeping enough. Like I have ADHD and apparently one of the number one things to help with that is Mm. sleeping enough. And I do not currently do that every night. So we're Mm. working on it. We're working on getting back in like a good schedule, but yeah. And then like anxiety and depression, everything is made worse by not sleeping enough. So Mm. everybody should really prioritize their sleep. I feel like. Yep. I'll hunt you down. If you're not sleeping enough, you're for sure lost. I want to haunt you in your nightmares. <laughs> yes. I had a roommate in college that would pull all nighters to study for exams. And I don't always go to bed on time, but I could not take an exam without sleeping. Like I can't even imagine thinking of doing that. Like once it hits like midnight, that's already too late, but um, like it's later than I'm supposed to go to bed. But um, I'm still like, I'm going to bed at midnight regardless, because I need to get at least six hours of sleep. Otherwise, I won't be able to function in an exam. Nope. So people Same that way. do that scare me. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Mm. I really do not know. I'm not Very interested. <laughs> no, I'm not interested in knowing either. I have never pulled an all-nighter, and I don't think I ever want to. No, the last time I did one was an undergrad, and that was for like a stats class. With oh law school, God. I feel that there's so many resources out there that if you, for some reason, don't get a full reading in or oh, yeah. you like had an event prior to, there are like this Quinn B, you can borrow other classes. <laughs> like, don't, don't stay up till three trying to read yeah, about reading, murder. Yeah. yeah. No, if you have a paper, I get that. But yeah, if it's like a reading. Yeah, great. Yeah. That's not something you can just skim, right? No. no. But if it's a reading, like Quimby is my favorite thing. I'll watch the videos like while I eat dinner, if I know I don't have time to do a reading or even Mm -hmm. to help understand a reading, if I know I don't have time to do like a thorough reading of it. And Quimby, it is the best thing that's ever happened to me. My friends and I got an account together like a month and a half ago now. Mm -hmm. So smart to share it too. Yeah. Yeah. Money. Oh my God. Yeah. It's expensive. We got like the middle package too. It wasn't even like the premium I think they call it gold we got like mm-hmm. the silver package and hey, it but was it's still very expensive. expensive all of the monthly fees goes towards getting a bar prep course for free at the end so that's oh nice. it does yeah like your monthly okay. um payments pay yeah. down a full bar course which Quimby no one really uses Quimby as a bar prep course but it'll yeah. n- be nice to have resources yeah oh I didn't know that that's good to know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, I feel like that's all I had for like law school and pre-law. Cool. And then just um, going in a bit 
to um, mental health in the legal field, like in your career? We obviously can't speak too much on that since we have not done that yet. <laughs> um, I did, however, um, during the spring of my second year, I worked in a legal clinic for women who are domestically abused as well as the children. So that was probably the closest I got to working in a very heavy area of the law. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I actually increased the amount of sessions. I spoke with my therapist on a weekly basis, uh, because two months in, uh, I realized that it was some really deep, deep, um, situations. And during, for those of you who don't know what a legal clinic is and are going to law school, there are opportunities in law school where you get a baby bar card. So you are supervised by an attorney and you can represent a client in the court of law. And my very first client in my entire life was a woman who was a woman and her two very young children who were domestically abused by their father. And the whole spring semester, I was going into court back and forth, battling her husband, who was emotionally, verbally abusive, physically abusive. I mean, he like charged at the police guard in the courtroom. And it was extremely scary and anxiety inducing. So I could not imagine what my client was put through, right? This woman who was taking care of two young children who wanted what was best for them and whatnot. And for me, um, even my legal clinic professor was fantastic about encouraging us to speak to her if she, if we ever felt emotionally drained or if we felt something was too heavy for us to take on as a student. And then she also encouraged going to see a counselor and a therapist uh, because we were working with, with real life people at that time. Yes, you're a law student, but now you have someone's life in your hands, which is a lot to deal with. And so um, during that time, I increased the amount of sessions I spoke with my therapist. I spoke about it a lot more with my roommate, who I felt very safe talking to about. And um, you just got to take it day by day. And um, unfortunately, you do have to compartmentalize a lot of experiences that you have. Otherwise, you'd become too attached. For example, her children were just so much fun to be around. I love them. They were so young. And every time we went to speak with them about the issue or about prepping for court, I got to spend time like coloring with them on the grounds of their living room floor. So um, you just also have to learn when to compartmentalize those relationships and emotions so that you can get the work done and do it so that your life is is not impacted mentally or emotionally. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, last year, I actually worked in a small law firm um, Mm -hmm. as like a legal secretary. But one of the areas of law that they practiced was family law, and that included divorces and domestic violence. Um, A couple of the attorneys worked for this program called Dove. So they were representing victims pro bono in court. And I know one of the attorneys, um, he had previously been a criminal um, defense attorney for the um, public defender. And he came into our firm and started doing family law. And like, you know, as a public defender, like you're dealing with a lot of heavy stuff sometimes too. But he found that family law with um, all of the abuse within the families and just like the fighting that happens in divorce was actually more difficult for him to handle than being a public defender was he was getting emotionally drained and like too attached to Mm -hmm. a lot of the cases which is sad but um it just goes to show that like you do have to learn to like compartmentalize 
And you do have to prioritize your own mental health because if you're getting drained by your clients' lives, you're not going to be able to best serve them. No. So it's not going to help either of you. So if you find that you can't compartmentalize, that's when it's probably the time to start seeing a therapist or a counselor if you are not yet. And they can help you deal with that and figure out what to do to kind of cope and really like handle the emotions that you're feeling with those cases and families. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Hard, hard world out there in the legal industry with some certain aspects of it. Uh, I always feel that like family, criminal, immigration, those types of law, I mean, Mm -hmm. the people who choose to do it, my gosh. Yeah. No, we did immigration law at um, the firm that I worked in too. And that could also be heavy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, The partner of the firm was actually telling me that she would represent these children that came to the U.S. to get them these special visas. I can't remember the name of it, but it's that um, it was just for them to get to stay. Like they got separated from their families, but Mm. it was to help them to stay so that they could like have a good life here. And so like, there's also the feel good aspects of that where you get to help kids like that to have a good life and like start new. But um, there's always the heavy aspects of like the families getting separated and everything. So Mm. It's, it's a lot to take on. Yeah, it's certainly fulfilling. But again, yes. it's all about those attorneys are people who really have to balance mental health, their mm-hmm. families, their personal interests, and their yeah. work. And um, I honestly feel that it's they don't get paid enough most of the time mm-hmm. to do that kind of work, which is the unfortunate yeah. Yeah, no, especially immigration. I know that we actually um, like charge lower hourly fees for immigration clients at our firm because they don't always have the most money. So that's good. But like you're doing a lot heavier work and not getting as much money for it. Mm -hmm. But like it was a nice way to like help out those families. So you win some, you lose some. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're figuring it out. And it's all about to yourself into it before you can truly make a decision about whether or not you can't do it. And it's yeah. okay that if you start family law and you're like, oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. is not for me, then yeah. get out, right? That's okay. There's no shame, yeah. there's no guilt in saying that, you know, it's not for me. I'm going to do a different type mm-hmm. of law. That's okay. People change their mind about different types of law throughout law school 24 seven. I do it on a weekly basis. So no, absolutely. I've already, I changed my mind twice before even entering law school. I was like, oh, I want to be a prosecutor. And I was like, no, I don't want (laughs) to do this stuff. And then um, working in that small law firm, I was like, I thought I wanted to do family law. I was like, yeah, I'm really interested in like learning about the family law and the immigration aspect. And then I got there and I was like, family law is not for me. (laughs) Nope. I tried it too. And I was like, "Ah." it's not for me. It's for some, just not for all. Yeah. Yeah, but there are also happier aspects of the law field. Like you can work in law fields that aren't as heavy. So not everybody deals with that. But the workload um, in the legal field, I would say still can be like stress and anxiety inducing. Mm -hmm. So regardless of the area of law you practice, kind of learning to have that work life balance, especially when you're starting out when you might be worked to death a bit, if you're working in a big law firm, especially you have to learn how to set those boundaries and have that balance so that you don't drown in your work and your relationships all kind of get messed up and you yourself are just like not doing well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about balance. <laughs> yeah. It's you're walking on a tightrope. You really yes, are. Honestly. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's most of what we had for um, like the content of the main topic today. But we do have two fun little segments at the end if you want to take part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, the first segment that we do is called the how to be a better better person segment. And you give like, yeah, a better person. So you can give a tip of like how to help other people or something good you can do like environmentally. So yeah. So it's just like a fun little thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. I guess let me think. Mm Mm-hmm. I have two. I have two. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So number one, whoever you meet in your life starting now and beyond, be kind to them. And I say this because I went and got my hair done with a hairdresser who I had a, I had a very nice conversation with her. Um, she found out I went to law school and as she was trimming my hair, she said, my husband's an attorney and I can you up with a job. And you just never know the, mm-hmm. how people can impact you in your life. I'm not saying be kind because you have an alternative motive and mm-hmm. you want to use someone in the future, but you should yeah. always treat someone the way that you want to be treated. Just kind and genuine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who they are. And one day, perhaps um, in the next five or 10 years, they come back with good karma. You just never know. And I'd rather be kind than to be remembered as someone who treated someone where they felt terrible. My second tip for law school and for specifically being a better person is your first year of law school. I hope that you choose to volunteer your time with some sort of nonprofit organization. I throughout my first year of law school volunteered at a food pantry in Dallas um, and a food kitchen. I did it like every two weeks. It was a one hour commitment and it was just a nice break to get away from the stress of law school and help helping out my community. Um, There is so much out there that is not law school. And I know when you start, it feels like all you have to do and all you can do is read, 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 write, write, write. And that's not the case. There is life that exists beyond the law school doors. And it's so important that you invest time in those aspects of your life. Because again, this goes to my first point. You never know that you might meet someone during those volunteer opportunities who can help you out in life. So those are my two good person tips. <laughs> I love that. Those are both great. <laughs> I think you actually hit tips that we haven't hit yet because we do this every uh-huh. week. And I think you, you really hit some new ones today. <laughs> this is nice. Cool. Yeah, I love that. I was so focused on yours that I forgot to think about mine for today. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Sorry. Let's see. Oh, I think I'll do one law school related too. So um, kind of back on the thing of competitiveness, I'm going to say, don't, um, don't be mean to other people in law school just because you're trying to get ahead of them. And if you see that somebody might be struggling in your class, like they might seem like overwhelmed or something, maybe like ask them if they want to study together sometime. So you Mm -hmm. can help them out, help them get back on their feet if they've been struggling um, in that class. They might just need somebody to like sit down and study with and walk through the material. And that actually will help you too, because then like you learn better when you explain to other people, but you'll be helping them just by reaching out and being like, do you want to be a part of our study group? So yeah, that's my tip for today. Help others around you in law school. (laughs) Yeah. Bring them up with you. Don't leave them. Yes, absolutely not. (laughs) 
Okay, and then our other fun segment um, is a recommendation of a fun event, place or activity in New York City. And since you mentioned you've been a few times this year already, <laughs> I bet you could come up with something. <laughs> I am not a professional, um, but I am a really big foodie. I like to spend a lot of my hard-earned money on trying different restaurants, hole in the walls, whatever. Every time I go to New York, the one place that I go to is in Chinatown. It's called the Great Noodle Town Shop. Oh, and it's okay. this small little corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks a little, you know, um, <laughs> it, you you might be uh, persuaded that it's not a restaurant. It's like a laundromat <laughs> or something. I don't okay. know. Um, but it's on the corner of a Chinatown Street, Great mm-hmm. Noodle Town Shop, New York City. And you have to go in and get their beef chow mein. Okay. Very good. Highly recommend. <laughs> and you can easily Google it on your um, phone. It has thousands of reviews, uh, but it's fantastic food. Very cheap. My second thing, if you want to have a great night out, Bathtub Gin in Chelsea uh, is a really cool bar. It's a speakeasy mm-hmm. bar that has live music every Thursday night. And it's like a great Gatsby themed type bar. Um, and they also have like on Tuesdays, I think they have a burlesque show, but I prefer the live music on Thursday. Okay. I actually haven't been to either of those places. So I'm <gasps> going, so- I'm going to have to go to both of them now. Oh, I can take you when I go back in December to Bats of Gin. Yes. Go. Oh my God. Absolutely. That would be so fun. <laughs> yes. Okay. I think my fun activity today is going to be also fun night out theme. It's going to be Carol Place. My roommate, um, both of my roommates actually had gone last weekend, but then now just this past Friday, um, They took me there and it is such a fun bar. It has two levels. There's an upstairs and downstairs and the front's more like just the bar and it's kind of chill. You can hang out around the bar. And then the back is more like a dance floor vibe. But during the day, it's also a restaurant because they have all the tables like stacked up to the side. So I would recommend Carol Place. They they also make pizza like at night while the bar is still open. So like we- I have late night munchies all the time. Yeah, exactly. We went at like midnight and there was a brick oven um, right there. And there was a guy putting pizzas in, taking them out. So if you like pizza and a fun time. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. I go in December. Yes, absolutely. It was so much fun. (laughs) But yeah, that's what we have for you guys for the podcast episode today, everyone. So yeah. All right. And um, Avery, where can everybody follow you? Uh, uh, uh. Um, <laughs> follow me um on tiktok instagram or youtube everything is under at avery bishop a-v-e-r-i-e bishop like the chess piece okay beautiful and then as you all know you can follow us on instagram if you don't yet legally coot to our podcast you can follow me personally on instagram erin.lindsay13 And Megan's not with us today, but her name is Megan Sullivan 98 on Instagram. So yeah. All right. We hope you all have a great day. Bye guys.